conferences, long agendas, big venues, always on your feet, barely getting to see the people that you want to see, and then, of course, the expense. Well, the three of us at Good Morning Hospitality are launching Good Morning Retreats. Our first retreat is this July 8th through the 10th at the Horse Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. If you go to goodmorningretreats.com, you'll find out more information about our first retreat that we're launching. We have already filled half the slots. We have 20 available and we have about 13 already filled. So make sure you go there, you apply, show your interest, and we'll get you all situated for our first ever Good Morning Retreat. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. And now back to the episode. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right, today I'm actually going to read the media sheet and be prepared. Travel demand, blah, blah, blah. Oh my God, I got to call Michael. Hey, Brandy. Hey, did you read the media sheet yet? Uh, no, I usually pull that up about halfway through the show. Yeah, no, you got you want to pull it up right now. Holy cow. I know, I know. Let's call Will. Hello? What's up, Will? Hey, Will. What's up, guys? Oh, did I'm you... on a group chat. Okay, what's you up? You are. <laughs> um, Dad, did you read the media sheet for today? Yeah, I actually put the media sheet together. So what do you think? I mean, yeah. Um, I can't believe that TravelNet is sponsoring us. Yes, you got it. We are sponsored by our friends at TravelNet. So let's celebrate. Welcome to Good Morning Hospitality, your one-stop shop for the latest news, noteworthy trends, and thought-provoking discussions across the industry. From hotels and short-term rentals to all things travel and hospitality, you'll find each episode equips you with the information that you need to start your week. Join us on Good Morning Hospitality every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Wow, we did a quick uh, wardrobe change here from that, you know, earlier phone call that we had, you know. And location change. Three outfits. (laughs) Three outfits in three minutes. (laughs) Taylor Swift. How we roll. Yeah, it's just how we roll. No big deal. No big deal. What up? Uh, well, good morning. Happy Monday. It's an exciting Monday. You know, first run with track or travel nets, Atlas, all the above. And super excited to dive into today's episode because apparently we love to talk about fees on this podcast. This is like yeah. our third time. But hey, it's all good. The people You're in the news a lot. Yeah. And they're a pain point for a lot of us. And it's, it's one of those things that it can really just grind your gears. Yeah, hopefully this is like cathartic for all of our listeners to like also complain with us and have us kind of dig into why they're so annoying. <laughs> 100%. 100%. It's a little bit of a hot take episode where we're just going to kind of 
go all in, you know? Yeah. I'm pumped. <laughs> uh, outside of that, how was your guys' weekend? All good before we jump into everything? Yeah, I just did a lot of cooking. I had a little bit of an accident with a mandolin, but my hand is still intact. <laughs> and to be clear, Thank not God. the instrument, mandolin. Not the instrument, the cooking utensil. <laughs> Thank God. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Brandy shows me. up on Monday with no hand. She's just like podcasting <laughs> with nothing. Down a finger. <laughs> what about yeah, you, pretty chill for me. Um, I guess one special announcement is happy birthday to Will Slickers and his twin brother TJ. Woo! Happy birthday, you two! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate still, it. Still in your 20s? Yeah, still there. I got another two years. So, you know, still the baby. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I will get a call from my brother. He'll brag it in uh, one minute older. So that's, that's how it is. It's going to it's gonna be like that for the rest of my life. So if you got it for yeah. it, right? Yep. Yeah. Hey, man. It's, it's one minute makes all the difference. Know? It does. It does. Uh, but thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. So this is going to be fun because I, you know, we talk a lot about the Airbnb fees, but we saw an article last week with, uh, mentioning the government getting involved in the whole travel fee situation with surcharges and upcharges and the amount that it's costing travelers in general now compared to what it used to is pretty insane. Um, I don't have all the numbers, but it was definitely a good enough topic that the three of us were like, we should just hit everybody and just set an Airbnb. We should just go all in. And so let's uh, let's do that. We'll Michael, I know you on blast. Yeah. Well, before we do that, I want to put the government on blast because it, it's the the pot calling the kettle black. When if you look at your your air airline ticket, like three or four of the fees are actually taxes that the government has put into place. So you've got your fuel charge, your runway charge, your airport charge, your sales tax. So it's a it's a bit funny to have the government saying we you guys can't add fees to anything. So. Now that that's behind us, there's, uh, there's a whole bunch of travel fees that skipped uh, put into this article. And um, for me, one of the fees that I hate the most, that's the, the least necessary, but we all know why it's done, is the resort fee. Mm -hmm. If I am traveling for work and I'm staying there one night, there's a 0% chance I'm using any of the amenities of the hotel, except for maybe coffee. And these big resort hotels tend to have charged coffee. You, you have to pay for it. So that fee really gets me going when I see like $49 added for something that, you know, I'm spending less than 24 hours at this property. Mm -hmm. um, I will not take the wristbands to get me into the pool area but take that $49 off. They don't take it off. So yeah, yeah I, so <laughs> we definitely have charged resort fees before. Um, and you know, this kind of goes in and I'll, I'll kind of sprinkle these like nuggets throughout the episode, but kind of Sexton's journey with fees from the early days through kind of now that we're, you know, I'd like to call us a teenage company. We're more established. And when we had, when we have, um, units that are in condo hotels, we were like, well, everybody is paying a resort fee if they're staying at the hotel portion. So we should charge that too. That's why I leave that revenue on the table. 
And I think that if you're, you know, coming to stay with us for like five days, you probably don't even notice that that's there or it makes sense. But I would definitely understand if someone was staying for one night and they're like, why am I paying this resort fee? Um, you know, because I'm not going to use anything. So I, you know, and this goes along with kind of the theme of like, just add everything in. Like, why do you have to have the resort fee, especially for the hotel? Like, just have that be part of the price, If the you know, so... Yeah, a lot of these places, the resort fee, you don't even get until you get to the property. And that's what yeah, really, yeah. really pisses me off. Yeah. It's okay if it's built in and I see it and I I know that the all-in price is $250 a night. But then if it's $250 a night, it's like, yeah, and we have a resort fee added on top of that. Like, and yeah. what's the reasoning for doing it when you actually when you get there? Is that so that they can change it? Like, is it dynamic resort fees? <laughs> no, you're just not going to get up and leave, right? They're, you're stuck. Yeah. It's uh, well, and also, not, a, not a good policy. I also remember back in my like hotel front desk days, it did take a little bit of time for the OTAs to catch up to that fee being implemented on the PMS. So it would be like, oh, well, booking.com and Expedia can't showcase the resort fee because they don't know how to add that, especially when it came to commissions and all this other stuff. So they would just be like, all right, well, we'll charge it when the guests arrive. And it goes on your incidentals rather than like if you pay via virtual card on Expedia or booking. Um, but man, I remember just getting destroyed at the front desk, especially when we were a business kind of um, business and leisure hotel. And the biggest thing was like a lot of our you know guests were return guests. So one day, one week they're coming in like normal, nothing. They, they get their normal rate. They get their normal room, all the service and everything and uh, above to then the next week they're like why am i getting hit with a 35 or 45 or whatever dollar charge for the same stuff that i've been using for free or not using for free and now i am forced to to go into it so you know it it definitely comes off in the sense of leaving a, a really bad taste in, into a loyal guest mouth but then also just people in general when they're you know like michael and you guys both said uh it's not online. They book, they get there, and then all of a sudden, boom, here's another $50 you owe us. So it's kind of like a slap to the face. Yeah, I actually just in real time had the realization I had this phantom charge on my card from the Flamingo from Verma, and it was like $49.99, and it didn't match any of my receipts, and that's definitely what it is. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> I like stayed there for literally 10 hours before my they other just room slide was it in. Oh, they don't tell anybody. so sneaky. Um, but you brought up another point that we're dealing with. I mean, I've dealt with it with all of our uh, systems in the last couple of years, but it's this mismatch of what your system can do versus what the OTAs can handle. So, mm -hmm. for example, we have a damage waiver and for everything instead of charging a security deposit or anything like that. Um, but some OTAs don't have that field. And so you have to pick one of the ones that they offer. But then sometimes, so for example, we might have to have like an environmental fee, but it's actually the damage waiver or mm -hmm. a management fee. And, but, and that is from a customer perspective, like, why are you charging me a management fee? Why are you charging me this other fee? When in reality, it's just a damage waiver. So you don't get charged for anything that you might do in the room. So yeah. it's like the technology gap seem like that part is really frustrating. And it seems like it's easily rectifiable. They already have a list of fees, like add another one. You know, mm -hmm. if you, that, that component does not seem to be too difficult. So to, to tie this into maybe the vacation rental audience, I'll, I'll share another fee that really gets me going that 
I'm sure most operators charge is the, the early check-in. Oh, okay. Yeah, I understand the late checkout, like if you've got a turn or something. Mm-hmm. And I also understand an early check-in if it's not available. Like if, if the room is still being cleaned, I get it. Like that, no pushback. If the room is empty and I, I arrive on a flight at 10 a.m. And, and there's nothing in the unit, why charge 50 bucks to drop my bags in and, and leave? It doesn't, as a traveler, it's not the best experience. Like it, it is one of the differentiators between a hotel, which a lot of hotels will um, let you in your room as soon as you're there if they've got it available, but they've got a lot more yeah. inventory in a singular property, right? And I get why offering it, you know, ahead of time for a family, if they want to make sure a hundred percent that that unit's going to be open at 10 AM, but for the the fairly flexible traveler, it does really get me going when I know that unit's empty. I saw the calendar the day before is open <laughs> and I can't get in an hour early, right? Well, checkout mm-hmm. codes go out at four. So Brandy. <laughs> Explain to us. So, (laughs) yeah. And so this is all, this comes as like part of the journey I've said is like from us as a much smaller operator to now, you know, finding things in our processes that are not really in line with the stage of life our company is in. Um, And so when we were starting out, I mean, you are trying to make just as much money as possible. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if people were like, oh, this is great, we can charge a hundred bucks for the early check-in fee. And, you know, that's a hundred dollars we didn't have before. Um, And also, so there's a couple different, you know, now we have totally gotten rid of that. Like if, if you arrive and your unit is ready, you're welcome to check in. Our problem comes to our building. Our largest building has 77 units, but most of them don't have that. So the odds sometimes, especially if you're coming in on a high turnover day, that your room is ready early, really, really slim. And Mm. so we get like our stance is if you request the morning of and the room is available, absolutely, you can go in. But if you want to, if your flight gets in at 9 a.m. and you want to guarantee that you can check in, you have to pay for an extra day because we're going to have to. And I get it. Right. And so that's the thing is that I think people that are industry familiar are like, yeah, that makes sense. That's no problem. We get a lot of complaints about that. And it's kind of like people, this, in the last couple of years, we've had this conversation about the re-education of the consumer towards this type of product, because mm-hmm. especially ours, it looks like a hotel and functions in many ways like a hotel, but you don't have the scale, like the volume of rooms. And so, yeah, if you we had a, a family and they wanted to check in early and they wanted to confirm that a couple of days in advance. And the, you know, we also have to make sure that our guests experience team has the proper kind of like common sense and empathy training and, mm-hmm. you know, driving that home. But we were like, we can't, if you were like, you were happy to, you know, $150 for confirming the early check-in, but it's like, that's the only way we can guarantee that because you, we could have someone book in the, the three nights day in the meantime and they were really upset about it and so it's it is it's tricky and i you know the operational challenges are definitely part of that yeah yeah and well i I, go ahead will i'll hammer my point home next no go ahead mine's gonna go into a different point so i'll let you i'll let you uh 
tell it. Yeah, I I a hundred percent get the operational like if it's booked, it's still getting cleaned. If there's maintenance, whatever. Like the room's just not ready. You can't get in because it's just not ready. Versus mm-hmm. pay us fifty bucks to get in. You know, two hours yeah. early. Yeah, um, and you can usually tell as a traveler which one it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've back in a previous life when I was traveling and staying in hotels a bunch. I had a lot of status at a particular hotel brand and I got there and the room wasn't ready early at all. So they gave me the presidential suite because it was a room that was available because none of their regular rooms were available. Mm -hmm. Like that is a home run experience. Um, But to your point, Brandy, like there's, there isn't that density in vacation rentals and I totally get it. And especially if we're talking about houses, um, you know, you can't just move houses from one, one to another because you're representing different homeowners and different revenue streams. So, exactly. um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, like if it's ready, let them in. If it's not totally fine, just be transparent. We're trying to figure out ways to go like kind of lean towards the hotel philosophy of those upgrades. And we're trying, you know, we're trying to figure out how can we, in a like efficient and non-operationally difficult way, provide upgrades. So if you have a two-two at the Lola in New Orleans and you want to check in early, and we have a four-bedroom that's available, and no, you know, no one's checking in for that time period, move them and kind of give an upgrade. Um, so we're kind of, we're trying to figure out how we can play with that too, to like you know, because that is a great experience when you go to a hotel and they're like the presidential suite. That's amazing. This this yeah. was the Hyatt in Austin. So shout out to Hyatt. I love that. Oh, I was going to say like going into the sense of convenience and fees and how that applies. But I think what you guys said pretty much nailed on the head. And then I remember in our group chat, I sent you guys an article about like hotels, a hotelier. I forget the CEO who was on this panel basically saying like they missed the boat to adapt the business. Like they, the hotel industry out of all of hospitality has failed to adapt into into I guess a change because I had a consumer that's willing to to change with them. And so part of my question, I guess, to you guys would be, and I'll share this article for anyone who's interested later, but um, for you two, when it comes to like, we've talked a lot about different trends, different data, different things in the industry operational wise. (laughs) Do you think the traveler really was willing to change and kind of go down a new route outside of like what we've all expected pre COVID or do you think that a lot of us kind of forced some change that maybe wasn't good when it comes to fees and operations and revenue? Uh, because like my biggest thing, especially for us being a smaller property management company, we only have 10 homes. So my big thing is like, we only make commission from nightly rate. So why not find good ways to do upsells and not like the early check-in where it's like, Hey, you want to check in an hour early? 55 bucks. Yeah. You got to give it to us. Hours early, 65. Yeah, but it's like, but it's like we offer like kind of a in mark in home like market or store like that people can you know pay for stuff and um, other services that go into it. You know, not to shout out a uh, shameless plug, but like mount something like that where we can just plug in an amenity and just let anybody purchase it. It's insured; we don't have to worry about all the headaches. So like something like that for us is a big game changer as a small company. So I'm guessing, or I'm not guessing, but my question to you guys is: Do you think we changed the wrong way i 
I, so there's two sides to it. Yes. Hotels absolutely missed the boat on changing and the customer not only was willing to, but wanted to change. Mm-hmm. Standing in a check-in line at a hotel is an obsolete waste of time. I I haven't checked in at an at a uh, airport in forever you, because it's online. You just check in online and you walk straight to security and straight to your yeah, gate. Yeah, pre-check, that, right? Yeah. And the same thing with a hotel room. Like, yes, it might be a little bit expensive to switch um, upfront costs and whatnot, but long-term, you know, your, your front of desk or front of office doesn't have to be as, as big of a team. If guests know what room they're staying in, they know how to get into that room. They use their phone for everything. They're already using their phone for everything. So I do think there was a a lost opportunity Mm -hmm. and part of it was because of cost constraints during COVID. I get it. Like, no one wanted to spend money to upgrade things, legacy IT systems. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that's the best time to do it. Also, yeah. it's shame, like it's also not the best time to wait twenty years to actually wait for something like COVID to come and like make you change. Like there, there's been technology way more advanced than in 2019 than any other time outside of like these last two years. But there's plenty of other times that they could have updated and gotten to a more and they still can higher. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think it's interesting because so last week I was in New Orleans and I worked um, a couple hours at the front desk at our building, the Lola, and it was just really interesting interacting with guests because that building is large. So we have like a kind of like a building supervisor that's there and they have a lot of different roles, not just like checking because we don't have that. But it's Mm -hmm. interesting watching different like some guests come in and they know they just, they just wave. They're going straight to the room. They have all the information. Some people came up and they're like, we're here to check in. And I'm like, do you have your, you have all your codes and everything? They said, yeah. I'm like, you don't have to talk to me and go right <laughs> on up. And I think it's interesting based on where people book because that building in particular gets a lot of Expedia and booking.com. And so people just think it's a normal hotel, I think. Mm-hmm. And so you have that difference in like, okay, how did the, what was the guest journey to get here? And then that kind of shapes their you know, expectation for the experience. And when they realize that they can just go on in, there's no hassle, there's no waiting. I think you can see that they're like, oh, this is great. I don't, you know, and it is, you know, the failure to adapt and now like for the hotel industry, I think that I understand a lot of the hesitations because a lot of these companies are behemoths and Mm -hmm. you just, I understand that the the mental gymnastics you have to do to say that we are going to implement new systems across thousands of hotels or whatever it is. But Will, to your point, yeah, they shouldn't have waited 20 years. The problem just is exacerbated by that time. Yeah. But I also see kind of two different branches for hotels. And that is, you know, for the ultra luxury or higher end, I really love the front desk experience where you have a little bit more of that handholding. It's why you're paying whatever cost you're paying, 100%. it's a little bit more personalized. But if you're just going to, you know, for business travel or whatever is get in, get out, like, I don't think that there's any need to really talk to a person unless there's something wrong. Yeah. And yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad you brought that up, Brandy. That, that goes back to the fees as well. And the fee expectations, um, there, there is a difference of an upsell and a fee. And there's also a difference in 
a budget company and a service oriented company. Mm-hmm. When I fly EasyJet or Ryanair in Europe, I know I'm going to get feed to hell. The ticket might be <laughs> 49 euros, but it's if you want to actually get on the plane, it's another 20 euros. Do you want if to breathe? Want to, <laughs> if, you don't, if you want your seat to have a seatbelt, it's another five euros. You know, if you want to check a backpack that's larger than this, then, you know, it's even more money. If you want to print your ticket out, it's another 50 euros, like mm-hmm. all this crazy fees. But you know that going into it, like people who buy EasyJet or Ryanair know they're about to get feed. If you buy Delta, you shouldn't be getting feed, right? So mm-hmm. you you know you're getting a seat. You can pick your seat. In fact, there's a seat class that says, don't pick my seat, um, which is totally fine. You know what you're getting. And there's a big difference between budget-oriented and service-oriented and OYO versus a Marriott. Or, and and I, I don't know if that exists well enough in our industry yet. There's obviously professional managers and single hosts. There's single hosts that do better than most professional managers. And then there's professional managers that are better than virtually everybody else. So it's hard to differentiate as a traveler. And that's where, I guess, as a company, you need to determine, are you going to be service oriented or are you going to be budget oriented? Um, And maybe that's a life cycle thing. Like you mentioned, Brandy, when you're you know, in, in the infantile stage, you need to bring in anything and everything you can, and then you can kind of shift and become more service oriented um, mm-hmm. as you build a brand and, um, you know, provide a maybe more expensive experience from the ticket price, but it includes all these additional fees that people don't like to pay. Yeah. It's interesting like that I have in my mind, like the, my, dream idea of like what we could provide as a operator someday when we can really go all out for some of like the more luxurious guest experiences. And I also think it's interesting from the kind of landlord owner perspective of how they view their properties and what they think, you know, you should be charging because, uh, you know, in our model, we don't, we have, excuse me, individual owners, but like they, you know, they're owning a whole building and they'll say like, Oh, we think our property is valued at like this dollar price point per night, this ADR. And it's like, well, you obviously really care about your building, but it's in this neighborhood. It is relatively similar to all of these other properties. So it actually has to cost this much. And so there's a disconnect, I think, of like also the kind of level that some owners might have, like what they think their their building is, which plays into yeah. it. Um, but yeah, it's all that, that perspective. I Will, what would you say your most hated airline fee is um there's so many uh shoot i would say like honestly the luggage piece and i'm gonna it's gonna go back into the budget versus like delta or my favorite alaska um in the sense of like i think it's crazy that frontier can charge like I'm in Denver. They're based in Denver. So it's like the most common airline you'll see out here and that they can charge for like any woman or any person who has like a, uh, a purse or a satchel. Like that is a considered a carry on like charge. Uh, and I think it's a crazy amount for like Brandy, if you carry your purse everywhere and you never have to pay for it and then you get on this flight and you have to pay 35 bucks to carry your purse. Like that's insane. 
So I think leave it behind. Obviously, yeah. yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it, leave. Yeah, no, like, and you see all these people, and this is kind of like a point I wanted to bring up. It's because it's kind of funny. You see, people are now finding out, like, oh, I can just pack my luggage domestically. Probably not the best idea to try this internationally, but you can pack your luggage and send it to UPS or FedEx or whatever shipping company. It'll be cheaper and it'll probably get there more uh, faster, like more on time and more reliably without having it get all lost and having you to put an air tag on it so you can track it at the airport because whatever airline, aka Southwest, had a lot of this happen. And we heard in like the the journal podcast where it's like, Oh yeah, you can see that your, your luggage never left and it just stayed at the airport forever. So, <laughs> you know, you have that type of stuff. Obviously I get it. The bigger suitcases, you know, you have a lot more, um, like, let's say, I don't know what sizes they are, but you have the bigger ones, right? Like, obviously you should pay for that. But when it comes to like the smaller stuff and the carry on it's crazy on how and, and seating, I think that's dumb too, where you're like, Oh, it's 99 bucks to sit in the middle of the plane. Awesome. If I don't want to pay, you know, any extra money, I have to sit all the way in the back and like, cool. I would have sat there anyways, but no, I have to pay the, I would have, I have to pay to just to even be anywhere close or convenient. So it's pretty, pretty insane on my end. That's my, that's my personal complaint. <clears throat> well, shifting, talk, shifting talk. gears real quick question for you. Have, have either of you ever gotten on a plane with like absolutely nothing, just like whatever's in your pockets? No. <laughs> well, not not absolutely nothing. I would say like a small bag, but it's like on my shoulder. Yeah, I've done a small bag. It's it's one of my favorite. It's one of the coolest feelings. It's like I don't need anything. I'm just getting. What, where have you? Where were you going yeah. when you didn't need anything? I'm saying, yeah, for it, real. It was a day trip somewhere and back the same day, mm. so I just needed my phone, my keys, my wallet. Wow. That's wild. I would, yeah. I, even if I'm just go like, I'll have like my laptop, I'm always bringing a book. I have like my little case with all the cords in it, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah. I never, never had that, that opportunity. I think one of the craziest fees that was came up in this article is when they're charging people like families to sit together. Mm-hmm. And like, I understand if you have like a, grown children like teenagers they can sit wherever but i mean i i'm not a parent yet but i can't imagine being like okay i have two like a five-year-old and a three-year-old and i have to pay two hundred dollars so we're sitting in one row like what's the three-year-old just gonna be somewhere in the back on his own like it's just crazy and someone else's problem right (laughs) yeah yeah actually somebody else gets to babysit but i think and i'm sure there would be other things that come into like the logistics of all of this right like um, mm-hmm. from like the booking perspective, but if you, I mean, you have to put in the birth dates of all the people anyways. So if you can yeah. see that there are kids like under 10 or whatever the age is, you should get a pass because this parent is traveling with children. For, first of all, like have some empathy. And if that means that you have like, I don't know, a full row, not maybe not the first row, but you're towards the back of the plane, I think sitting together is, you know, the most important uh, priority in there. Yeah. Yeah, I can't I believe think. airlines charge for that. That's absurd because it's not good for anyone. It's not good for the family. It's not good for the people no. that are stuck next to the five-year-old that where their mom is three rows ahead. Like, mm-hmm. I in that case, basic humanity tends to win, and someone will volunteer to change seats. Like, yeah, usually, but you, yeah, not always. But it is. Uh, it's absurd that that would even be a thing. Like, families should travel together. 
Well, Even it just goes to the point like under the same ticket should have seats next to each other if they're available. If yeah. they're not available, yeah. it's a different story. Um, yeah. There's two seats left on a flight, and one's row twelve and one one's row twenty. They yeah. they chose that, right? Yeah. Well, it goes to the point, Brandon. You made it up. Uh, you know, saying like it is a pretty significant revenue stream for a lot of these companies, whether mm-hmm. it's a vacation rental company, an airline, a hotel, but there are points where it's gotten a little too much. And I think like, that's where they are like, Oh, opportunities here. We can make more money and we're going to go seize it and realize people had no choice. They're like, okay, well I'm on this airline. I have to pay this. Like there's nothing I can do or else I won't get on my flight or else I won't check into my room. So, so it's gotten to the, but I feel like, you know, John, uh, John Ann made a comment, you know, just how, how insane out of, like control has gotten and i totally agree i think there's got to be a fine line and unfortunately um you know part of being a public traded airline or whatever uh you you, you can do pretty much whatever and you don't have to care hey, about i actually uh, have a kind of a pretty funny story about bag last minute bag fees i was flying back from france and my suitcase that I checked was potentially full of a lot of wine. So I had to find a bag, like a carry on bag, like last minute in Paris, everything was closed because it was Sunday. So I ended up getting this massive canvas bag that didn't zip. Um, and I was like, well, we're just going to see how this goes. And it's full of like all my shoes. And all, cause I had been on this like wedding trip for whatever. It was a lot of un- superfluous clothing items. Um, but I make it to Lisbon, no problem getting it on as like a carry on, no problem. The next day I had a flight from Lisbon back to Miami and you have to go through like at the gate, another checkpoint. And the guy was like, you cannot like your total luggage is so heavy. Like that has to go on the bottom of the plane. I'm like, well, this is an open bag. So it's coming with me uh, on the plane in my hands. And he was like, well, that's going to be 150 euro. I'm like, okay. I was like, at this point, I was like, it's not going underneath the plane and we're here. So sure, I guess. (laughs) But I thought that was just so crazy because it was going on with me regardless. And I was like, I, it's just the only thing I have, like I'm taking care of it. It's going to weigh what it weighs if it's here or if it's underneath the plane, but they just got Mm -hmm. 150 euro out of me because I, I had to get on the plane, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nice wine. I probably yeah, seriously. It was really nice one. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Well, I had something similar in Mexico last year, but not worth going into. It's the same stuff that I came there with. They charged me for. Then I came back with everything else that I came with. And then they charged me for more. So dumb. Anyways, I hope everyone's gate agents are commissioned. Do you think they're commissioned? How much they charge? I don't think so. I don't think so. There's no that's way. A, that's a question for another day. I think they might yeah. be. We should get a airline representative on the on the show and be like, hey, yeah, give them a chance to defend themselves. <laughs> yeah, or or just destroy them on a live podcast. Either way, whatever. This is whatever a friendly environment. Well, positive um, vibes. Remember okay. relentless positivity, 2023. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot. On, I'm on that, that note, next. we appreciate our sponsor, Travelnet slash Track. Uh, so. Glad to have them on board with us for uh, quite a while. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is our our first month officially with them. So very exciting. I know. I'm pumped. It's been fun to work with the whole team. So get ready to all of our live viewers for more exciting content involving TravelNet. And on that note, we'll see everybody again next week.